This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And I'm Lyle Southwell and this is... Lawson Walters. Uh, we are about to engage... In our encounter with God Bible study, before we do, we have another clue for our quiz. Okay, okay, you ready? Who am I? I disputed with the devil about the body of Moses. Okay, who had that particular dispute, if you know Mm. the answer? You'll find it in the latter half of the Bible. Then give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. Who had an argument with Satan over the body of Moses? Okay, Lyle, remember before yes. how we were like yes. getting our Bibles and we are yes. picking out random verses and see if we know. I want to give you another chance. Okay. Are you ready? All right. Okay. Let's do it. <clears throat> and Nashon begat Salma... And Salma begat Boaz. I'm going to go with the book of Ruth. Um, no, you're incorrect. No. And that means that you are... <laughs> wrong! <laughs> <laughs> and your fancy horn there just... <laughs> it just fell apart. <laughs> just like this joke. <laughs> uh, there you go. You know, that went a lot better in my mind. But hey, it's still... I made a loud noise, so... Yeah, yeah. Me and it Shell, me and Shell conspired against you. We found this air horn. And we we're like, oh, let's make loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you what, the things that go on behind my back while I am hard at work, <laughs> busily keeping the radio show working, and the rest of the team is just you know playing games in the background and. Coming up with Thou shalt not bear false witness, Lyle. Um, <laughs> Hard at work, air quotations. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I've organised three three uh, interviews while you guys have oh, been man. relaxing. That's impressive. Uh-huh. There that's, you that's amazing. All right. Including one international one. Oh, yes. there we go. Yes. Yes. Okay, what, what's up? Where, where are we encounter with God? How are we encountering him today? Okay, we are going to encounter him in the book of Ezra chapter 8, verse 1 to 15. Big passage here. Oh, here we go. Ezra chapter 8, verse 1, 1 to 15. 15. Start reading? Yeah, let's just start reading. Okay. Here's a list of the family leaders. <laughs> no, that's fine. So this is my revenge. And genealogies of those who came. No, nah, forget that. No, nah, no, nah, let me read it. Please. All right, here we go. Babylon during the reign of King Artaxerxes. From the family of Phineas Gershom. From the family of Ithamar. Daniel. From the family of David. Hattush, a descendant of Shechaniah. From the family of Parosh. Zechariah and 150 other men were registered. From the family of Pahath Moab, Elihuanai, uh, son of Zerahiah, and 200 other men. From the family of Zatush, Shechaniah, son of Jehaziel, and 300 other men. From the family of Adin, Ebed, son of Jonathan, and 50 other men. From the f- family of Elam, Jeshiah, Jeshiah, son of Athaliah, and 70 other men. From the family of Shephathiah, 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 Zebediah, son of Michael, and 80 other men. From the family of Joab, Obadiah, the son of Jehel, 
and 218 other men from the family of Bani, Shelemith, the son of Josephiah, and 160 other men. From the family of Babai, Zechariah, the son of Babai, and 28 other men. From the family of Asgad, Jehonan, uh, son of Hakatan, and 110 other men. From the family of uh, Adonikam, who came later, (laughs) Eliphalet, Jeuel, Shemaiah, and 60 other men. From the family of Bigvi, Yuthai, Zekur, and 70 other men. I kind of like Big Vi. Big Vi. What a name. <laughs> yeah. I wonder his name was just Vi. Vi. We call him, and he was a big guy. I called him Big Vi. I kind of doubt it, but it kind of has, <laughs> has a good ring to it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. If you're out there, if you're uh, in the process of making children still, hey, Big Vi, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, when we look at this particular passage here from the book of Ezra, um, we find that you know there's a significant list here, but definitely not all of the um, you know Jews that were in Babylon returned. It's a fairly small list, and at this particular point, Nehemiah is you know we're, we're a significant period down the track. We talked about this yesterday. Nehemiah is still trying to get people to come back to Jerusalem and to resettle in Jerusalem, and for them it is a massive sacrifice. They mm. have uh, integrated into the land of Babylonia. They are Babylonians, and they continue to live there. What is interesting is that there are um, Jewish communities in the countries through ancient Babylonia, uh, particularly Persia, mm. and then you know the northern uh, Persian Empire, some of the um, other countries that sort of are up in that region, you have significant Jewish communities with their own traditions and connections, and people really ask the question, okay, are these people, are these Jews who have uh, migrated there, or are they are they Jewish communities that have existed since the time of the Babylonian invasion, or could they possibly be... Jewish uh, Israelite communities hmm. from yeah. the ten northern tribes that were taken Ooh, into captivity. Wow. Mm. So any one of those three things is a possibility with um, a, a, a number of these uh, communities that exist in these areas. So mm. very, very interesting uh, field of research to look into. One day maybe we will have some answers. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1 to 6. We're going to read a promise here that is a promise of um, a promise of uh, um, that was particularly relevant to Ezra and Nehemiah. Yep. Someone's texting me. <laughs> okay, Deuteronomy chapter 30. I can't, I can't multitask. Which I forget verse? to breathe. Which verse? Uh, uh, verse 1 to 6. Verse 1 to 6. The Bible says, In the future, when you experience all these blessings and curses I have listed for you, and when you are living among the nations to which the Lord your God has exiled you, take to heart all these instructions. If, you, if at that time you and your children return to the Lord your God, and if you obey all, with all your heart and all your soul the commands I have given you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where you, he has scattered you. 
Even though you are banished to the ends of the earth, the Lord your God will gather you from there and bring you back again. The Lord your God will return you to the land that belonged to your ancestors, and you will possess that land again. Then he will make you even more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will change your heart and the descendants of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul so you may live. Okay, so you read a passage like this, you read a promise like this, and you know this is kind of like pretty much at the end of uh, the books of Moses, the Torah. Mm. And for Ezra and Nehemiah, this is this is the book that they read to the people of Israel, um, you know, during this whole time. And you can imagine the people who have come back, sort of place yourself in those shoes, in their shoes, and they're they're reading the book of the law, and they and you know they get down towards the end in Deuteronomy. There you've got your blessings and your cursings, and and they realize that they've missed out on so many blessings, and they have received so many cursings, and they have been so far from God, and that they've gone into captivity. As as a result of um, of their apostasy from God, and um, and then they come to the end of all of those blessings and those cursings, and the Bible here promises them a number of things. What are some of the promises, uh, Lawson? Let's work our way through this passage here in Deuteronomy. So, what are some of the promises that God promises to do for them when they go into apostasy, when they repent of that apostasy? Um, you know, when they are taken into captivity, what are some of the things that are listed here? Well, the first thing uh, I guess a listed promise it says in verse three is that he will restore your fortunes, turn your captivity. It says in my translation. Hmm. Um, and they had been captive. There's no question about that. Um, all right, so we're going to restore their fortunes, turn their captivity, and then what? And then he will have mercy on them and gather them all. Um, all the nations where he has scattered them. So, like, where they've been scattered, he'll gather them back together. And we mentioned this yesterday, how this has actually happened three times with the uh, Israelites mm. and the Jews. You have um, them coming back to their land from Egyptian captivity and then from Babylonian captivity and then from the diaspora. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And so I would imagine there'd be a lot of Jews in in, uh, in uh, Israel right now that would would very much um, take a lot of heart from this particular prophecy and apply it to themselves um, even today. Mm. Um, it's a remarkable story. All right, what else is promised right here? It says that they will be prosperous, even more prosperous, and numerous than their ancestors. Okay, so had their ancestors been prosperous? Yes. They had. Mm. The temple that was there at Jerusalem uh, was a magnificent building. Uh, they had been prosperous under you know, King David and King mm. Solomon. Solomon, the, um, the wealth in many ways had really peaked, particularly the power of influence and the hegemony had you know, gone from the river Euphrates to the river of Egypt, which is a very, very large territory, a large piece of land. And you know, controlled that entire land bridge between Asia, Africa, and Europe. Um, so you know, there's a there's a lot that is going on right here. Um, did they become more prosperous after their captivity was returned than before? Mm, well, definitely during like 
I don't think they were necessarily in a golden age, but definitely during the period of the Romans, like they were, ex- you know, the upper classes were extremely wealthy because of the globalization that had gone on and, you know, their, their interconnectedness with, you know, the rest of the empire. They, yeah, very much were benef- benefited from that. And they were yeah. very wealthy, especially the temple system, you know. The temple system became the second biggest economy in the world during the Roman era. Mm. Uh, and you kind of wonder why they hated the Romans so much when that um, empire had created an environment in which they could become so wealthy. And so, no, we do not call that the golden age um, of the Israelite or Jewish nation because the golden age really was under Solomon. Yeah. Uh, where their influence extended you know, so much further. Under Rome, they were a small um, province mm. of the Roman Empire, but their wealth was just unmatched. Mm. You know, second biggest economy in the world was the Jewish temple. It was just, you know, there was nothing like it on the planet. And so they had received the blessings of God, but did that mean that they were immune from bad things happening just because they had received those blessings? Were they doing the right things with those blessings? Oh, well, clearly not. Because you know. Jesus turns up and he cleanses that temple and he does it twice mm. and he drives all of the business people out of the temple. You know, it's like you've turned my, the house of God, the, a, a place of prayer, into a den of thieves. Mm. Something that we see with the nation of Israel is that when, when it comes to, to their you know, apostasies and leavings of God. It very much happened in generations. You know, there would be one good generation, <coughs> one bad generation, because, of course, you know, as a as a people, they were either heading one way or the other way. And when you read... Um, when you read the Gospels... I'm reading through Matthew at the moment, and, and when Jesus... Uh, when Jesus addresses the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, O perverse generation, a, you know, a ye, like you guys are so far off the track. And because, you know, when, if your leadership is that far off the track, well, then everyone else is going to be as well. Like there was very clearly, you know, as a nation, when Jesus comes around, they were not in the best place um, spiritually, you could say. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's so clearly, even though they had those blessings, they were not in the right place. That's right. Okay, let's uh, look at some of the other promises that are given here. Uh, if any of you be driven into the outermost parts, um, into the outermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there He will fetch you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. And He will do you good and multiply you above your fathers. You know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's he's using almost like extreme language here. Mm. You know, it's like. Doesn't matter where in the universe you've been scattered to, mm. you repent and you turn to God, and God will restore you again. Mm. Okay, verse six. Tell us about verse six. Verse six is an interesting verse, particularly this is a, this is a New Testament verse in the Old Testament. Mm. Then the Lord will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants, so that you will love Him with all your heart and soul, so you may live. Okay, that doesn't have the same New Testament ring that my translation has. Mm. So your dodgy old translation over there is a a thought translation. Let me read it to you from a word translation. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, word translation is not word for word, but um, by any stretch of the imagination. uh, But this one is, you know, it, it goes as close to that as you possibly can. And it says, The Lord your God, listen to this language, will circumcise your heart. Mm. Okay, that 
is New Testament right there. Yeah. Uh, we look at, you know, and the Jewish people looked at the sign of circumcision as the seal of their salvation, mm. you know, because being a part of the Jewish nation was how you uh, received salvation. And so, you know, circumcision was it. You get uh, that circumcision done and you are good to go. Um, you have uh, been saved. Um, that's pretty much, you know, the end of the story. You're you are in. a part. You're a part of the chosen nation. You are in. Um, this was something that was incredibly important to the male line of Jewish men, as far as you know who their identity was, um, etc. And what we find here is that God says, "Look, I'll circumcise your heart." In other words, God is more important about His sign being on our heart than on our flesh. Mm. It needs to be on the inside and not the outside. The outside act needs to be an evidence of what God has actually done mm. on the inside. And, of course, circumcision is very much a sign of redemption <clears throat> um, because it comes from the story of, you know, uh, Abraham and, and Hagar and Sarah and how, you know, Abraham and, well, Sarah. It's, it's just a terrible conspiracy type thing where they just get together and they're like, oh, yep, let's have a baby with Hagar and that will be the, the son of the promise. Um, and, you know, God comes into that situation and he says, okay, circumcision's now a thing, which represented, like, even though they had done something completely incorrect, they'd gone against the word of God. Um, he redeemed them from that and God still kept his promise. Like, um, you know, even after circumcision, like Sarah ended up having a baby. Um, that was Isaac, which was the son of promise. And it's like, this is saying God is ultimately <coughs> promising here that not only, you know, when he says like, you circumcise your heart, it's the, the ability that he has to redeem you as a person, to do a work in your heart, to change you as, you know, um, yeah, as you were saying, circumcision is an outwardly sign, but God's like, hey, I will come into your heart and change you and make you more than you are. Were you going to read that? Uh, this is from Romans chapter 2, verse 28 oh, and 29. So I want you to compare this where the passage in Deuteronomy talks about circumcision of our heart mm. and not of our flesh. The Bible says, uh, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that in the heart, in mm. the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And, of course, Paul is getting these concepts because he is studying his Bible. Mm. He is a student of the Bible, and the only Bible that Paul has is the Old Testament. Mm. All New Testament preaching was done using the Old Testament Bible. Yeah, People come to me and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm like, wow, you know, what you're saying is you're like a one-third Christian. Mm. If you're a New Testament Christian, you're a one-third Christian because only one-third of the Bible is the New Testament. Yeah. Um, I like to be a three-thirds Christian. <laughs> a full A, a full, full Christian. Christian. I like to have the whole Bible. Mm. The only Bible that was ever used in New Testament times was the Old Testament. Mm. All of the preachers preached from the Old Testament exclusively in the New Testament. Mm. Jesus preached exclusively from the Old Testament. Mm. He never once used the New Testament because the New Testament did not exist. It was written long after he passed away mm -hmm. and was resurrected again and went back to heaven. And so um, if we ignore the Old Testament, we are, we are missing. You know, we often, so often we read these, these concepts here like this, like, oh, yeah, this is very much a New Testament concept. 
but we fail to realize that you know most of the New Testament is being quoted from the Old. Mm. And all of these concepts about conversion, about the law being written on our heart, about the sign of God being our heart and not in our flesh, um, about you know the seal of God being a changed life rather than just an obedience to the law, is right through the Old Testament. Mm. You know, even the new commandment that Jesus comes and says, you know, I'll give you a new commandment. You shall love. Um, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And you, sh- you know, He gives it as a new commandment. It's an old one from the Old Testament. <laughs> this is Dolly Parton with In the Sweet By and By. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see. For the Father waits over the way To prepare us a dwelling place there In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet
hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, what happened there? I, I don't know. I, I kind of went to get my socks and didn't get back quick enough. And I was busily organising the next interview. <laughs> <laughs> While the song break was on. Oops. <laughs> Ezra chapter 8, verse 16. Let's head over there very quickly, uh, Lawson. What have you got for us in Ezra 8 and verse 16? We've got a few verses here to eight. read. Verse 16, the Bible says in Ezra chapter 8. No, that's Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm like, ooh, this is not Ezra the same as what I was reading before. Ezra chapter 8 and verse 16, the Bible says, I assemble the exiles. Sorry, verse 16. 15. 15 or 16? 16. 16. So, so I sent for Eliezer, <laughs> okay. Ariel, Shemahiah, uh, Elnathan, Elnathan, uh, Jareb, another Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshulam, who were the leaders of the people. I also sent for Joyarib and Elnathan, who were the men who were men of discernment. I sent them to Edo, the leader of the Le- the leader of the Levites um, at Casiphiah, to ask him and his relatives. And the temple servants to send us ministers for the temple of God at Jerusalem. Okay, keep going there. We've got some uh, some good material we need to work our way. Okay, from. since the gracious hand of our God was on us, they sent us a man named Sherebiah, along with eighteen of his sons and brothers. He was a very astute man and a descendant of Mali, who was a descendant of Levi, the son of Israel. They also sent Hash, Hashabiah together with Jesh, Jeshiah from the descendants of Merari. Uh, He's quite and, detailed, this Ezra, isn't he? 20 of his sons and brothers and 220 temple servants. The temple servants were as, assistants to the Levites, a group of the temple workers first instituted by King David and his officials. They were all listed by name. Hopefully not anything that I'm reading in front of this, okay, and there were uh, and there were by the Ahava Canal. I gave and there by the Ahava Canal. I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that He would give us safe journey and protect us, our children and our goods as we travelled. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us to protect us from the enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. As we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us as he heard our prayer, I appointed 12 leaders of the priests, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and 10 other priests to be in charge of transporting the silver and the gold and the gold bowls and the other items. Oh, oh, we're finishing up? Yeah, yeah we've we, 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 we gone too far. You, you should have jumped in there. You should have yeah. been like, nah, stop. That's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Okay, so um, I think verse 22 is probably our key verse right here that we mm. need to look at. Um, he's getting together, obviously, a band of priests, um, descendants of Levites and so forth that can serve in the temple in Jerusalem. I thought it was very interesting. You know, I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way because we had spoken under the king saying, the hand of our God is mm. with us. Mm. You know, so they had been, you know, testifying to the king of the power of God and... 
it's like, okay, what do we do now? Well, we've got a really powerful God. Um, and so since we have a really powerful God who is just amazing and uh, can look after us and can do amazing things for us, uh, we would like a band of soldiers to protect us. Mm. Kind of doesn't work, does it? Yeah. So they've humbled themselves before God and they have um, gathered together you know, a group of a group of priests to go back uh, to continue the work in Jerusalem of the temple, um, to continue the work of God, the worship of God, to continue to uh, give religious instruction to God's people, um, all of these kinds of things. They are going to go through a lot of country where, you know, back in the day, the police force didn't really exist. Mm. They're going to be traveling through some very remote areas, um, and through these remote areas, there is a lot of, you know, local warlords, uh, tribal chieftains, and so forth, that are looking to increase their wealth. They can increase their wealth. Um, this is a fairly small band of people that is traveling. It's not a huge number. Um, they are seemingly unarmed. And so the easy way for anyone to increase their wealth as they're traveling through the, these more remote parts of the empire is to just take their wealth from them. Mm. Um, who You and whose army is going to stop them? Mm. Not only can you take their wealth and their goods and so forth, but you can enslave them and sell them as individuals. This is the kind of... They, they were a very, very lucrative prize to grab if you wanted to grab a prize. And so this is why when you had you know, groups of people like this that were traveling through the empire, typically they would travel with um, armed soldiers. And so, for instance, when Nehemiah came back, you know, Nehemiah came back with um, some picked men. Mm. And the poor Persians did have you know, an elite force of soldiers called you know, the Immortals, and they were um, you know, possibly available to men who were as high-ranking as someone like Nehemiah. And these were kind of like your really tough dudes. Um, and, you know, they would possibly have been available for an enterprise such as this. And yet, they do not ask the king mm. for soldiers and horsemen um, to, you know, to, to, to guard them as they travel through the empire because they're like, well, you know, we've, we've, been, we've been speaking to the king about our God. So how can we, how can we do that after we've told, him, told the king... You know, how powerful our God is. Mm. And I think there's an important lesson there for us, you know. Um, we are supposed to trust God for everything. Um, at the same time, you know, what are some of the times we do call upon even those not of our faithful help? You know, we do mm. do that on occasions. Um, in many cases, that's not wrong. But, you know, are there times when we should be actually fully trusting in mm. God. I don't know. What are, what's your thoughts on that one? Lewis? There are times definitely where, like, we we are people who claim to worship God and yet we live like there isn't one. Where We just, like, you know, and we get so anxious and we make little plans and we put it all in ourselves to make ourselves successful um, through our own means. I often, like, it's honestly one of my biggest pet peeves like when I look out and I see the you know the Christian businessmen, 
you know, the guys who are not that God can't call you to that, but the guys who I perceive, I'm like, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're spiritual people. They're people that I can see, you know, they, they, they go to church and all this stuff, but then they, they live a life where it's like, oh, I'm setting myself up. I'm trying to put myself in a good financial position for, for no purpose than to put yourself in a good financial position. It's like, I don't know, for me as someone, as a young person, I like who is, who has come into the faith and, and who just reads the Bible, I see so clearly, you know, read through Matthew chapter 13 and it's like the kingdom of heaven is as a pearl, which a man sold everything he had to obtain. And I'm like, man, this is, this is how we should be. We should be living as if, and, and in that, the implication in that is that you have faith that God is going to sustain you, even though you have nothing just because you're going after the kingdom of heaven. And it's like, Hey, these, these Jews, you know, they, they have to really put their money where their mouth is. It's like, Hey, do we, truly believe that our God is who he says that he is, you know, the stuff that we've read about God, because we're reading these promises, right? That God will collect them together, that God will sustain them to go back to their land. Can God really do that? Well, they're going to see. <laughs> this is uh, the Garage Hymnal.
Welcome. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Hi guys, Gillen here. I'm from your Seventh-day Adventist Church in Warrigal. We just want to invite you and your family to worship Jesus Christ with us on Saturdays. We have a kids program and an adult Bible study starting at 10 a.m., then the service is at 11.30. For more information, Google Seventh-day Adventist Church in Warrigal. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
You are listening to Judy Sill, When the Bridegroom Comes. You listen to Faith FM. We're about to have another clue for our quiz. No one's got this one yet. What's up with you guys? Gonna, Come on. We're going to give a couple clues. Okay. I'm going to give two clues. Okay. Revelation 12 tells of me and my angels fighting against the dragon and his angels. Okay. Who is the leader of the armies of heaven? Mm. And <laughs> this next clue, I am not Gabriel. Okay, who but, is the leader of the armies of angels, uh, uh, the armies of heaven? Who is not Gabriel? Who is not Gabriel? But is the archangel? And when the leader of the mm. armies of heaven met with Joshua outside the city of Jericho, he said, "Put your sandals off your feet, because the land that you stand on is it's holy ground." Holy ground. Ah, who might that be? Mm-hmm. Come, a bunch of extra clues right there. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669 with your answer. Okay. Question of the daytime. Are you ready? I am ready. In the th- in, in light of what we were saying before about, you know, uh, the Israelites coming back to their land and possessing it again and whatnot, you know, through diligence and prayer and, you know, you know being close to God. Is it okay for us to sit outside of someone's house and pray that it be ours you and know, expect God to give it to us? You know, <laughs> I think a lot of you are smiling at this question like, okay, really? Seriously? <laughs> uh, did somebody actually ask that question? Is that even a thing? Does that ever actually happen? The answer is, unfortunately, yes, it does happen. Mm. And there have been occasions where I have uh, bumped into a couple who were actually walking around a wealthy suburb, looking at houses, just walking, you know, just walking down the street, you know, hand in hand, just having some couple time together, and that's kind of a nice thing to do. Like, oh yeah, look at that house, a pretty cool house, and look at this one over there. And and uh, what they were actually doing doing was picking out their mansion the, mm-hmm. that God was going to give them. Ooh. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I am dead serious. I am not joking at all. And there are some religions that actually teach their followers to do that. It's actually a thing. It's like, yeah, you know what? One day, God is going to take all of these possessions off the wicked and give it to the righteous, and you are the chosen righteous. Uh, you are the only ones who are you know, believing in me and believing in my name and so forth. And so, therefore, there will come a time when I will take all of these possessions off the wicked and you can just sort of go around and pick whichever one you like. So, you know, why not go for a walk right now? Why not have a bit of a walk through a wealthy suburb and pre-choose where you are going to live when that time comes? I'm serious. There are religions that teach that. That is wild. Yes. And when I come across a religion that teaches that, 
I have found a religion that is soaked in the flesh, mm. that is purely an appeal to human selfishness. Mm. And human selfishness is the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, the love of money is human selfishness. Um, and so I think that this would be a very, very bad idea. I think it would be acidic to your soul to sit out somebody else's, outside somebody else's house and pray that it becomes yours. Mm. Okay, so think about this. You know, as Christians, the Christian ethic, of course, is to give. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, and yet here we find a religion that is focused on receiving, mm. where the emphasis is all about receiving. And this is something that really, really concerns me. When the emphasis becomes all about receiving rather than giving, this is a false religion. Mm. When we look at Jesus Christ, how much receiving did he do? Very little. How much yes. giving did he do? Very, very much. In fact, Jesus went as far as giving his life for you and I. This is one of the reasons why the Bible says it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel through the eye of a needle. Uh, that's not impossible, by the way, because the eye of a needle was a small city gate, but it does mean you do need to unload that camel and you do need to get him on his knees to get him through that particular door. And it's the same with a wealthy man. Um, I guess we can all thank God today, that, well, most of us can thank God today that... Um, we're not that wealthy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's our question of the day. If you've got your question of the day, please send it through to us. We would love to hear from you. Um, and we will answer it right here on Faith FM. 1 800 324 843 is the number. This is Mariah King with Life Simple. I need to stop wanting what everyone has just for the sake of having it. I need to stop wanting what Keeping up my life to thee and 
Welcome back to Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show. We have indeed. Unfortunately, to the end of the week. It's kind of kind of sad, isn't it? It's been it, a good week. It's always God sad. has been has, has blessed this week in so many different ways. Mm. Yes, he has. Amen. I fully agree with you. And we want to keep the blessings going into the weekend with, of course, our amazing giveaway that we do all the time, every day. This is our giveaway for today. Can't believe we still have some of these left. This is a book that we have been promoting a lot here on Faith FM called Full Steam Ahead, the Frank and Margaret Bottrell story. This is an incredible children's book and would be an incredible Christmas present. This is awesome. About an incredible Australian Mm. who was an amazing engineer, um, one of the world's best inventors, um, a devout Christian and church planter, and built the largest tractor in the world in its day, right here in Australia. Australia kind of has a history of using big machines. Yeah. Big country, big machines, and this is this is the story of this particular individual right here. And for a tractor fan like me, then uh, you know that's pretty amazing. Okay, so 1-800-324-843 is the number to call if you would like your copy or text us on 0491-064-669. Mm, and you will get this completely for free, of course. We have loved spending time with you. We want to remind you of a couple of different things. Firstly, that we have a Faith FM app if your signal is ever getting a little bit uh, fuzzy or Hazy, you can use Faith FM app wherever you are in the world. I might add Faith FM That's Australia, right. and you Absolutely. will get a, if you have a cellular sig- cellular signal, you will have perfect signal. We also want to remind you that we have a number of different courses um, which you can be signed up for if you want to just to get no- get to know God better. If you want to learn more about the Bible, give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Have an amazing day. The theme of the Bible. Jesus and how he died to save men the plan of salvation assures us he's coming
Are you ready to look in here? 